All right, good morning, everybody. Uh, again, welcome to Grace Hill. As always, I'm very thankful to worship together and share God's word. I see some old faces, familiar faces, new faces, all alike, and obviously children's faces. So from my vantage point, it feels like the calm before something is about to go down. But Lord willing, uh, today's message will be straightforward, a little bit shorter in light of the extended uh, service of baptism or whatnot, but all the more still important to share and look into God's word together as a church. Again, today's a family Sunday. Our church this is our second time doing it, and we hope to continue to improve upon it, where it's not only a time to give our volunteers rest, which they do an awesome job, but hopefully even after church and we fellowship together as a whole family together. So if you didn't know, again, there's going to be even education activities for the children. So if you're new or your parents visiting, that's something as well on top of food that uh, our education staff is going to be providing. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, we actually started a new sermon series last week on the letter of James. It is one of my favorite New Testament books because it is so practical in nature. I think uh, James and I would have got along. He is a straight shooter. He doesn't beat around the bush. And to give some important context to see where James is coming from when he writes this letter, James was not primarily a theologian or an intellectual. James was a pastor. He was a pastor that would look into the congregation. And it's clear that in the text, James is addressing fellow Christians. Okay, he's not trying to make some sort of gospel case for seekers and skeptics per se, but he is talking to brothers and sisters in the church. Now, this doesn't mean if you're not a Christian that you are now isolated, but this means that if you are not a Christian, James is a great way to see what the church and what Christianity looks like in the flesh. And that's exactly what I hope that you can find out today. So again, James is talking to people that are the average Sunday-going Christian, which I think 90% of the people here in this room are. And basically, he's coming from this angle where as a pastor, he notices there's some concerns he has regarding the people in the church. And the book of James is basically him laying out these concerns and issues. And again, I love the fact that he does not hold back. And so with that context, I'd like to refresh our minds. If you have your Bibles or programs, we're going to look at our text today in James chapter 1. We're going to read from verse 19 to 27. So as you turn there or look there, if we can all rise together here at our church, we believe that God is present and he speaks through the reading of his word. So as we look at James chapter 1, verse 19, let us read together as we hear from God's word. James chapter 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless, and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Amen. It's the reading of God. Let me pray for us briefly. Father, we pray that as we open your word on this special family Sunday, that you can speak, that you can move in our hearts, and that your spirit will make it clear who you are and what it is you have to communicate to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
So, quick icebreaker question. Uh, somebody asked you, what would you say is the most important skill to have a successful and meaningful relationship with someone? Whether that's in marriage, whether it's with friendship, whether it's a professional relationship. And I'm sure if you think about it, many things will come to mind, but almost everyone I talk to or every Google search I do gives the same general answer. The most important skill and variable in a relationship for it to be successful is the art of communication. Communication. Any married couple will tell you this. Any close friendship will tell you this. And within the broader skill of communication, the most important thing that will determine whether or not you are a good communicator is not how well you talk, but rather how well you listen. How well you listen. And it's unfortunate because everyone understands on a macro level, we are becoming a society that is exponentially losing our ability to listen. To listen well, not just relationally, but listen in general. It's a lost art. Now, it's important to clarify, there is a significant difference between hearing and listening. And parents, let your kids know this early on. And we have to grasp that this difference because this difference is at the heart of what James is addressing in today's text today. By definition, to tell you the difference, hearing, what you're all doing right now, is literally just the intake of noise into the ear. Whereas listening means to take what you hear and to give careful attention to it and to consider what is coming in through the ears. In other words, hearing quite literally is just a physiological act. I said that weird physiological act of hearing sounds. Whereas listening has to do more with actually connecting with the person that is speaking to you. And I know we all innately know this difference because we all understand the phrase when something goes in one ear and out the other. What does that mean? It just means you didn't actually pay attention to what you heard. We also get why when we see someone, say a spouse or a friend is talking to them, and then they look at the other person and the person's on their phone, scrolling, not really giving the eye contact, they'll say something like, you're not listening to me. And we all get what's going on. It's not that they're not hearing what's being said. It means that they aren't paying attention. Even my two-year-old toddler knows this. When he's saying something to me on my phone, here's what he says. If I'm not paying attention to him, he goes, he goes, Appa, Appa, phone down. He literally says that. I didn't teach him that. He just knows I'm not giving him attention. Now, again, I bring this up because this was the heart of the problem that James saw in how Christians were relating to God and his word. Remember, again, the letter, the text starts with brothers and sisters, meaning he's talking to Christians, and he's assuming that the people he is addressing are people who would regularly hear God's word, read God's word, hear sermons, and attend church like many of us here. And the issue, quite simply, is that he would notice a lot of Christians would hear God's word, and it would end there. There was no evidence that they were actually listening to it and living it out. And so with that in mind, he opens in verse 19 by saying, My dear brothers and sisters, in light of that, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Now, how do you know you are listening to God's word rather than just hearing it and having it go in one ear and out the other? Or let me be a little more pointed. How do you know that you are not coming week after week and just hearing God's word, but not actually having it impact your life? 
And James gives the three tangible expressions of how we can know that we are not just hearing from God, but we are actually listening to God and not just faking our Christianity and putting up a front. And there's three things that he says are exemplary or show that you are actually listening. The first is you prioritize God's word. The second is you do God's word. And the third is you care for the needy. And I'll explain what that means, okay? So first, you prioritize God's word. So the other day, as I always do, I was taking my phone. I was taking pictures and videos. And obviously, many of us run into this issue. I ran into the problem after I took this really cute video of my sons. I received that dreaded message that said, iPhone storage full. Dreaded, dreaded message. And in that moment, I basically have two options. I can delete something else in order to make room to save the video I just took, or I have to delete the video I just took because obviously I don't want to pay for cloud storage and I don't want to pay more money. So I got two options. In other words, it's not my ability to save the video at stake. It's an issue of how much do I prioritize and value this video enough to make space for it. I know we all understand this concept, and I share that because that illustration is at the heart of why I think we have a genuinely hard time listening to God and receiving his word in the way that James is talking about. James obviously had a clear theology of God and his word, which is this. God's word is absolutely foundational and necessary to Christian living. There I say, if you do not have a relationship with God's word, you just quite simply cannot be a Christian. And James knew God is a God who speaks, and the way that he speaks is primarily through his word, and so through his word is how you will grow and mature in your relationship with God. So in other words, there's just no shortcut around creating and making intentional space in your life to receive what God has to say to you, not just in hearing through your ears, but listening with your heart. Now, I know this might sound very cliche, and if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's like, okay, I've heard this kind of message. Now, I want to give the benefit of the doubt that most of us do not explicitly live our lives thinking, I don't care about God's word, or I don't want to listen to God. I, I don't think majority of us are that way. At the same time, the simple reality, because I know our church, is that, quite frankly, many of us do not make space to listen to God through his word. And again, because I'm a pastor at this church, I think the two most common reasons for our context that will be given, which are legitimate, are I am either too tired or I am too busy. And that's okay. I understand that, right? However, the sober reality we have to admit, if we're honest with ourselves, is that while we are quick to sacrifice listening to God through his word at the altar of tiredness and busyness, Isn't it also true that there are many things that we are not willing to sacrifice? For example, some of us, it's our hobbies. No matter how tired or busy we are, we will make time to play sports, to watch sports, to play games, to play video games. For others of us, it is that protected me time where for that hour or two a day when I'm winding down, you do not touch me, you don't talk to me, I do what I want, I watch what I want. For others of us, again, and this is increasingly becoming something that is not called out, it's your social media time. You're mindless scrolling through Instagram and TikTok that nobody checks, but that is precious time that nobody is actually telling you, hey, you're sacrificing this, but you're not sacrificing that. James says the first thing that we should be quick to prioritize in our Christian life is listening to God's word, and more specifically in verse 21, he says... 
Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, the specific exhortation James gives here is this idea of humbly receiving and accepting the word. And he's painting a picture of what it looks like to receive God's word in a meaningful way. The word accept there literally means to welcome, to welcome. It is a word related to the idea of welcoming someone into your home with a spirit of hospitality. And I know most of our church kind of gets this. Most of us are in a community group. We all understand, especially if you host the community group, that welcoming someone over and being hospitable, it's no easy task. It requires planning. It requires sacrifice, vacuuming, mental preparation, relational energy. And in the same way that community group is not just a one-time gathering, but a regular one, here's what James is saying. He's not just saying the simple read your Bible. He's saying we need to cultivate a heart and make space in our lives where you are welcoming and hospitable to the word of God. That's what he's communicating. In other words, if I can shift our paradigm a bit, our posture towards God's word should not primarily be that we are just receiving top-down information from God, but rather that we are engaging in a relational conversation with God. And that takes active listening. Active listening. You can skim through an article or Instagram post about multitasking and passively watching something in the background. But there I said, you cannot actively listen and be hospitable without making the adequate amount of mental and emotional space available. My wife and I love to watch Netflix shows. Every now and then I'll turn on a show and she'll say, we can't watch that right now. And I'll say, why not? And she'll say, because I need to pay attention. And I don't know if you guys know, there's two categories of Netflix shows. There's the background, you're on your phone and you're on your laptop and it's just playing in the back. And then there's the ones you actually care about that you want to put everything else aside because you actually care about what's going on. I think the problem in Orange County for a lot of Christians, the word of God takes the former rather than the proper place at the latter. R. Kent Hughes says this, this inability quote, to listen has huge implications regarding the hearing of God's word. The devotional prayer of the modern man is, Lord, speak to me. You have 60 seconds. There is no place in the busy secular desolation to hear God say, be still and know that I am God. The application here is quite simple, but it's probably a needed reminder. The foundation of Christian living is an active relationship with God where we prioritize and make adequate time and space for his word. And the most obvious place you can do that starting next week is right now during the preaching. 40 minutes a week, are you listening to what God has to say? But is that it? So your pastor's time, you're telling me, I just listen to God and I hear what he's saying and that's what's going to grow me in spiritual maturity. James says, nope, which is second point number two in his exhortation. You not only need to listen and receive, but you need to do. Look at verse 22, one of my favorite verses. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So this verse makes it clear that James believes one other way that you can describe a true Christian is what he calls a doer of God's Word, which shows that God's word is not just meant to be heard and known, but it is fundamentally designed to be lived, to be lived out. Now, James is not being legalistic here. 
He's not making a new novel idea. This came from Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at Matthew 7, 24. Jesus himself said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and knows and understands, no, 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 and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Your wisdom as a Christian is not in your knowledge and understanding of the word. It is in your application and doing of the word. In that case, many of us are not wise. Now again, James was not writing this letter in a vacuum. He was addressing real people with real concerns that he had. And the implication is James is noticing there are people in the church who would just hear God's word time and time and time again without living it out. And he designates these kind of people hearers only. And I wonder if in our heart of hearts we had categories of different types of people, how many of us would have to be honest and say we are in the hearers only section. And he says, the problem with that is you're deceived. You're deceived. And I dare say this is a pretty pointed description of our modern church culture. So he furthers this. He says, let me show you what this is kind of like. Verse 23, 24, he says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Now, obviously, James is using an analogy here, a very popular one, where he basically says, reading and hearing God's word, it's equivalent to looking at a mirror, which is something we all relate to. I'm pretty sure... All of you guys looked at the mirror this morning. We look at the mirror constantly. So what's the point of looking at a mirror and what is James saying? I shared this before, but after getting married, I looked at the mirror more than ever because my wife, Angela, became my kind of pseudo beauty and skin consultant, right? Before I got married, my my skincare routine was water and soap. That's it. Nothing else. And then after I got married, uh, I think Angela was holding back, but once we became one and, you know, we, we were committed and covenanted, she basically destroyed my face. What I mean by that, she was like, look, did you put on lotion today? Did you put on sunblock? No wonder. Hey, your skin is so dry. Actually, no, it's not. This part's dry and this part's oily. You have combo skin. I was like, what the heck is that? I didn't even know there was such a thing. Your T-zone, all these kind of weird things. Hey, you need to shave. Hey, your nose has so many black kids. I felt so vulnerable. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? I would feel so offended and I would get offensive. Until I'm humble enough to say, okay, let me see what she's seeing. So I looked at the mirror and I could not help but conclude she's right. My face has been neglected. It needs some loving And so now I know, I know what a toner is. I know exfoliating is. I know all of these things because, well, the mirror shows me as I am. It doesn't flatter me. It convinces me I got to do something about this. And that's the point of the mirror, not just today, but in the ancient world as well. Everyone understood mirrors to be tools that are meant to lead to action. Mirrors are tools that are meant to lead to action. And what James is saying is, if all you do is hear God's word without considering what God is saying and revealing to you through it, you cannot possibly mature and grow in your faith because you're not listening. You're not. Let me give you the most obvious example of this. After today's worship, somebody asks you, what was preached on? And you say, I don't remember. That's the problem. <laughs> and yet we do that all the time. Some communities meet on Tuesday night. All right, let's go over the sermon of, of what God spoke to our church this past Sunday. Who spoke? <laughs> what, 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 did they, what did they speak on again? 
Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's to the point where we almost need to like babysit and say, okay, it's only been 48 hours, but here's what was preached on. Here's the text we preached on. And that's what James is saying. If God speaking to you is literally the most important, vital aspect of how you're going to grow as a Christian, how do you not even remember what he said to you 48 hours ago? And that's the hearer's relationship with God's word. It is characterized by forgetfulness. Forgetfulness. On the contrary, look how he describes the doer of the word. Verse 25. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Now I want to challenge us a bit here. In verse 25, James says the opposite of someone who is forgetful is someone who looks intently into the word. Now what does that mean to look intently? That word for look, it is the same word that the Gospel of John uses when he describes how John and Mary, followers of Jesus, looked at the empty tomb of Jesus when he was resurrected in John 20. Okay, That's what the kind of looking entails. Now just picture, what does that mean then? Imagine you're a follower of Jesus. The Savior of the world, your, you know, your, your rabbi, your teacher, the one you put all your eggs in, he passed away, you're depressed, you think he is now buried and killed, and then somebody says, hey, he's, he's resurrected, and you walk by his tomb, and it's empty. What kind of looking would you do in that tomb? Would you walk by and say, oh my gosh, it really is empty. That's cool. I don't think so. Would you not look at every corner of that tomb? Touch the stone that was somehow supernaturally rolled away. Examine the bed that your Savior was laying on. In other words, you look intently. You take your time. And according to James, if you look at God's word in that way and take your time, most times, if not every time, God will clearly communicate something to be done. Let me give a quick application here. Make it a practice, church, to commit to doing something in light of God's word, even if it is the smallest thing. It could even just be a slight shift in your perspective, a different attitude, a small act of love. Again, the point is not to be legalistic about this, but it is to fight against the strong tendency we have to simply hear and not do the word. It is a muscle we need to work out in order to grow in our faith. Now, here's where it's very important I clarify something. If you haven't caught this, okay? The main problem is not that there were Christians who were only hearing God's word. That's not what James is talking about. You would think that is, but it's not. If you read it carefully, the problem that James was addressing was not that people were only hearing. It's that they were only hearing, and they thought they were fine. They thought they were right with God. That's what is raising his pastoral red alert. His main pastoral concern is not, hey, you're only hearing because say you are here only and you recognize that and you're self-aware and you're saying, man, I got to pray about this. I want to grow in this. I don't think James would have wrote this part. The problem was he saw so many people who were living this way who thought, I'm fine. I believe God. I go to church. And man, is this true of many Christians in our context today. So then, James makes the case up to this point. True Christianity means listening to, receiving, and doing God's word. But what does that actually look like? Practically. 
What does it look like to walk the walk? And we're going to shift gears a little bit as we wind down in point number three. James makes the case that if you are truly a listener of God through his word, you will and you must grow a heart to be concerned for the needy. That's a big left turn. What does he say in verse 27? Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I think this verse can be a sermon series in itself, to be honest, but what James is doing is painting the picture of what true Christianity looks like. Now, he's not saying that this is all that matters, but what he is doing is he is providing the clearest, purest, one-sentence expression of what someone who genuinely follows Jesus does, and it's this. They meet the needs of the broken and the helpless. Now, he highlights orphans and widows, not because they're the only ones that matter, but because orphans and widows represented the most helpless people in that society at the time. It was a patriarchal society. So without outside help, widows have zero means of support. After their husbands die, they're basically doomed to a life of misery. Orphans without parents, they have no help. There's no societal systems to help these people. And most of the time, without external help, widows and orphans, they were forced to beg. Many of them had to actually turn to prostitution to survive. And James says, when you have a heart to visit, to look after, and to care for those vulnerable, helpless people, here's the kicker, who have nothing to offer you. He says, your faith is becoming pure. I think that another way to put it is you are living out an accurate and true picture of who God calls us to be. And this is where I want to highlight and close with this idea. This makes sense over and over again because our God, he likes to be identified in a certain way, which is this. Deuteronomy ten eighteen says, he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. In other words, God has a special place in his heart for the marginalized, the helpless, and the vulnerable. Now, let me, let me kind of make this a little nuance for our context. Now, it's obvious that meeting practical needs of these kinds of people is a clear way to care for them. But to bring it kind of full circle, do you know what is probably an even more neglected and important need, especially for those who are hurting and distressed? Even for people in our church and our context. When you talk to anyone who's hurting or in distress, they will tell you, what I need most is not for you to tell me what to do or to tell me that it's going to be okay or to quote verses at me. I mean, giving me food, that's helpful too. But what I need more than anything else, again, every single person I talk to, I need someone who genuinely cares to just listen and be a shoulder to cry on. And oftentimes that takes more work than all of the above, doesn't it? The best way to be there for someone who's hurting, I would argue, is to listen to them. There's an author named Kate Murphy who wrote a book called You're Not Listening. She shares how she interviewed all kinds of different people, age, ethnicity, race, gender, and asked the same question. Who listens to you? Can I ask you that question? Who listens to you? She said, without fail, every time she asked that question, there would be a pause, there would be some hesitation, and she said the lucky ones could come up with maybe one or two people, usually a spouse or maybe a parent, 
a best friend or maybe a sibling. But she said most, if they were honest, didn't feel like they had anyone who truly listened to them, even those who were married or had lots of friends. And so here's what what she said. This explains the exponential rise in therapy and counseling because do you know what therapy and counseling is? You are paying people to listen to you because nobody else does. And in closing, can I remind you, this is why God is a God like any other. He has no rival when it comes to this. When he says orphans and widows, he doesn't just give them food and clothing but Psalm 116 verse 122 says, the reason we love the Lord, it says, I love the Lord because he has heard my appeal for mercy, because he has turned his ear to me. The God of all creation actively listens to you. Who else does that? He cares about you. And so one of the best ways I think we can accurately reflect his love for especially those who are hurting, but in general, is to listen. And so in a weird, weird way, the obvious application, I think in general, obviously, is yes, grow in receiving God's word. Yes, grow in doing God's word. But if I can give one more specific thing to even consider this upcoming week, ask yourself, are you reflecting Christ in your listening, in your marriage, in your relationships, particularly for those who really need it? And as you do that, Reflect and ask God through the mirror of his word, can you grow this kind of heart and concern in me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are awed by the reality that you are a God who not only provides, but you are a God who hears and listens, especially to those who are hurting and broken, which I'm sure some of us in here are. May that be the source of our joy to know that you not only provide our external needs, but you provide our deepest ones, ultimately reflected to Christ, who knows us and empathizes and sympathizes with us like no one ever can. Help us to be the tools and the vessels that you use to reflect that kind of love. And as we do that, we are reminded through our text today that you see a pure and a genuine religion, one that is reflecting accurately who you are. So help us not just talk the talk, but make space and make room for your word to move and work in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.